welcome to Standing in the Gap. I'm your host preacher, Brandon Harrell. Standing in the Gap is a weekly audio Bible study dedicated to the verse-by-verse exposition of the KJV Scriptures. It is my prayer that through these studies, the lost will be saved, the believer edified, and most of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified and honored through the proclamation of His Word. For correspondence information, please stay tuned until the end of the broadcast. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this week's Standing in the Gap. All right, this is Preacher Brandon. We're studying Matthew's Gospel here in chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. We're looking at the birth of Jesus Christ. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. As we've been examining this passage, we saw, first of all, Joseph's discovery in verse 18, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. We find that Joseph realized after Mary's return from the home of Elizabeth that she was now uh, carrying a child, and he was shocked to find it out. He knew that he had had no part of it, assumed there must have been some adulterous activity. Uh, and her explanation was the only thing more shocking than that. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And so in her explanation, Joseph, of course, found that just too difficult to believe. And in verse 19, we saw his decision. He was minded to put her away privily. And this was because he was a just man. He was a man that understood mercy. Having been justified by God, he understood forgiveness. Wanted to extend it, but he could not marry her, uh, seeing as he was under the impression that she had been unfaithful. And so he made up his mind that he would put her away privily, that he would spare her the indignity of what would follow in a public way. And so he made his decision. That's the terminology that's used. But then in verses number 20 to 23, we've been looking and examining Joseph's dream. We saw, first of all, the intervention of this dream. It said, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying. And so he was thinking about these things. No doubt they were heavy upon his mind. He laid down and fell asleep. And while he slept, a dream began to occur in his life. And an angel appeared unto him. And so there was an intervention here. He's decided, I'm going to put her away privily. And now this angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying. And we find next the injunction in this dream. The angel appeared, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. He received some uh, encouragement here, some comfort. Uh, thou son of David, he's reminded of his lineage and heritage. Fear not, he said. So he receives a word of comfort in this injunction from the angel. Then last time we began to consider the instruction in this dream. I said to you that there are two areas in which the angel instructed Joseph First, and we looked at this last time, he was instructed concerning his nuptials. Uh, the scripture says, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. 
And so he is told to marry her. He is told to take unto him Mary, his wife. The story that she had told about her conception being miraculous, being that uh, that was performed by the Holy Ghost, uh, it is confirmed to him in this dream, and he is told to take unto him Mary, his wife. There's a duty assigned to take her unto him, to, to, to leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, to assume responsibility for her provision, for her protection, and for her care and love. And she is to be his wife. So he is to receive his spouse, but then he is to raise her son. She shall bring forth a son. And he's told that when he accepts this duty, when he accepts this responsibility and submits to the will of God in this and takes Mary unto himself, that he is to raise her son as if it was his own. And so we saw this instruction concerning nuptials. But secondly, as we think about the instruction in this dream that Joseph had, I want to point out to you that he was instructed not only concerning nuptials, but concerning a name. The scripture says in verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, he is instructed concerning a name. First of all, I would mention the privilege that is extended. Thou shalt call his name. He is given this great opportunity to be the first to proclaim that this is the one who would deliver God's people. This is Jesus who would save his people from their sins. He has this great opportunity to proclaim. This is uh, his assumption of the role of the father figure in the life of Christ. This was a duty that was given to the father. It was the, the final say of the dad of a child who would uh, name this child. And of course, here Joseph, though he was not his biological father, he is given this privilege by God of naming, of announcing the name of this child. And it was done uh, on the eighth day when the Lord Jesus was circumcised according to the word of the angel we find in Luke chapter number two. And so the privilege extended. But then the purpose explained. And I want to look at that here in verse 21. I would mention, first of all, as we think about the purpose of this name explained, there is the definition of his name. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus. What a name is this? It is a transliteration of the Hebrew Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. Even in his very name, that name given to him humanly, that human name, that uh, earthly name given to Christ, given to Jesus, is that that says he is the one who saves, Jehovah who saves. And uh, this speaks of his duty, his goal, his purpose of coming into this world, the definition of his name, Jesus. Uh, one who, the Jehovah who saves. Jehovah is salvation. But as we think about this salvation, we see not only the definition, but the deliverance through his name. What is this salvation all about? I would mention, first of all, that there is a promise, uh, a promised accomplishment. He 
shall save. Now the word for here, thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. He's telling us why his name would be Jesus. Why is he called Jehovah is salvation for he shall save his people from their sins. There is a promised accomplishment in this phrase, in this statement. There is an exclusive person uh, who would accomplish this. He shall save his people from their sins. It does not say he along with you and his mother. Uh, and uh, this would have been a good time if the Catholics were on to something for God to remind us and tell us that this salvation that would occur would have involved in it not only Jesus, but also Joseph and especially Mary. But that's not what the scripture says. He shall save his people from their sins. That is why he will be called Jesus. He will do this. I, re I was reminded of Acts 4 and verse 12, where we read, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Paul said it like this to Timothy. There is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. I like the words of a man by the name of Bernard. He said of this name that it is, quote, honey in the mouth, harmony in the ear, and melody in the heart, end quote. What a great name is this. What a great pur purpose uh, is uh, to be accomplished by this individual. Jesus alone is the one who would save. He shall save his people from their sins. He will not need the aid of these people. He will not need the aid of anyone else. He himself, by himself, will save his people. Then there is an explicit promise. He shall save his people. Not he's going to attempt it. Not he might save them. Not he's going to give it his all and hope for the best. But he shall save his people from their sins. There was no equivocation whatsoever in the statement made to Joseph by the angel of the Lord. The salvation that Christ would come to accomplish, he would fully and finally accomplish at Calvary. That's why he could say, as he hang there between heaven and earth, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do, and then follow that up. It is finished. It is an explicit promise right here given in this name and its definition. He shall save his people from their sins. But then there is an expressed purpose. Not only is there an exclusive person and a, an explicit promise, but there is an expressed purpose. He shall save his people from their sins. The word save is from sozo. It means to rescue, to preserve safe and unharmed. Thayer gives this definition. It means to save, keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger and destruction. CWS offers the following on the word. It means to save, to deliver, to make whole, to preserve, safe from danger, loss, or destruction. These definitions are very informative as to the work of our Savior. His work on behalf of his people is an accomplished work. However, at the same time, it is an ongoing work. The matter of atonement was settled at Calvary. There remains no more sacrifice for sins to be made. The wrath of God is satisfied. Yet, on behalf of all those who believe upon Christ, his preserving work of intercession and sanctification continue. 
That's why Paul expressed in Philippians 1, 6, his being confidence of this very thing, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We are secured because of his continued work on our behalf, not the other way around. Though we work on his behalf and for his name, our work is but the evidence of his ongoing work. The salvation of sinners is the sole purpose for the coming of Christ to the earth. This truth is stated time and time again. Jesus himself said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. There are many implications which may or may not spring from salvation, but none are the primary concern of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Then we find that he shall save his people. Not everyone's going to be saved. They only who are his people shall be delivered. In Joseph's mind, that meant physical Israel at that time. But we know it was much broader. These are they which are given to the Son by the Father. John six thirty seven. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. But then the purpose achieved from their sins. He shall save his people from their sins. Much could be said about this. I don't have time. We'll pick up there next time. Till then, this has been Preacher Brandon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Standing in the Gap. It is my desire that today's episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, my email is bcharrell83 at protonmail.com. That's B-C-H-A-R-R-E-L-L. 83 at protonmail.com. You can also reach me by phone at 828-777-4923. Tune in next time for Standing in the Gap.